Hello and welcome to the Nishona Project podcast where we explore spiritual tools for living a happier, healthier life with less suffering. This is Rabbi Ben Newman. This week, it's my pleasure to be joined by Rabbi Charna Rosenholtz. Rabbi Magi Charna Rosenholtz. Do you have another title? Oh, that's good enough. Uh, who will also be joining me tomorrow morning at Pleasantville Community Synagogue uh, to teach Torah. But uh, since you're here and you're visiting, I decided this would be a great opportunity to have a special guest on the podcast to come and talk some Torah and maybe share some tools for living a happier, healthier life with less suffering, being a little more self-actualized, etc., etc. So... Um, Maybe we should just begin by saying a blessing over Torah study. Do you want? To, Sounds great. Do you um, want to offer something? I do. Thank okay. you so much. And first of all, thank you. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be here. Our discussions are lively and engaged discussions that we've been having for almost eighteen years. Yeah, uh, have been some of the most fruitful and provocative conversations. So I appreciate being here. Uh, so let's just begin um, with a moment where Bono shall alum. Um, please, Holy Blessed One, uh, as we study these words and try to find the, uh, the merit and the opportunities for growth and the wisdom embedded in your Torah, may we come into this with open eyes and open heart. Please open up our will to your truths, and may nobody come into a stumbling because of our study together today. May its merit be for good. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kedishanu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Amen. And I'll add, L'shem yichud kudshabrichu shchinateh b'dchilu rechimu liyachad shem yudhei b'vavhei for the sake of the unification of the imminent and the transcendent, for the sake of the relieving of suffering of all beings and the bringing of joy for all beings. May we have our words today serve as a dedication. Amen. Can you hear so? So we're going to start, we're going to look at the Torah portion, which is Akev. And do you want to say a word or two about who you are before oh, we uh, Sure, in? I mean, sure. Uh, I am a, a, a bat Torah. I am a lover of Torah. I am literally in my 29th year of weekly study. Wow. And uh, each time I touch Torah, I am humbled by the breadth and depth, and I always look forward to what we'll uncover through that. Um, I, my, uh, my rabbinic ministry is about uh, biblical study. I have an online forum for study called shulchan.net, Shulchan, S-H-U-L-C-H-A-N, Shulchan.net, which means table, because everybody has a place at the table when trying to figure out how to bridge our everyday world and our spiritual potential. Um, so I, I think that gives a nutshell. Beautiful. Um, and you have a weekly study? I have actually a twice-a-week study. Um, members of Shulchan, although if you're not a member, it's open for you to come and, and look. Um, but we meet every Monday morning um, and every Shabbat afternoon. 
and we go through the Parsha and have lively and vibrant discussions. It's the kind of discussions that not so much me teaching you, but us learning with each other. I believe in a circular style of learning where everybody's voice matters. Mm -hmm. So the person who is new to Torah might feel intimidated because they don't know anything, yet the questions that come out of innocence and beginner's mind are sometimes the freshest perspectives that can be offered. Mm -hmm. uh, and the person who has been through it many times might hold, often holds wisdom and also um, can share. So that sense of beginner, intermediate, and advanced student learning together is one of the um, tropes of Shulchan study. And it's online. It's all online. Zoom. It's all online. That's great. So if people like what you teach today, they can check you out. Absolutely. Check out shulchan.net. There's a way to contact me. It'll give you more information of what we're about and the classes we offer. Cool. And um, it's interesting that you said circular uh, because my last podcast was about um, Tubav. Mm. And I talked about Kalanimus Kalman Epstein, Halevi Epstein. Um, he, he has a whole commentary about this sort of prophecy that in the future time, uh, everybody will be stand, everybody be in a circle doing a it circle comes dance. straight at right out of right. Ta'anit. Yeah, and pointing yeah. at each other. And it's the it's the quote about Tubov. So that was my podcast last week where I talked about that. Oh. So it's a very interesting transition that I'm bringing somebody on now who believes who's sort of the Miriam wisdom of being uh, in a circle. Um, rather than the line. Although the line is important too. I just wanna say, um, now, since we were, we're not quite jumping into ACAV yet, <laughs> which I can barely wait for, um, the interface of the circle and the line is one of my favorite intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and even physical pursuits. Mm -hmm. uh, the one and the zero's interface. Mm -hmm. First of all, brings us the very magic of anybody's ability to use a computer. Right, binary. It's a... And, and, and it, I think... I think part of our development is exploring the line, what I call force, and how it's shaped by the circle, what I call form. And that oscillating inf interface of the circle and the line, our capacity to create a third transformative understanding is what evolves us. Mm. And so in... Our Torah study, it's not only circular, it's also a line within it because I do hold facilitators' um, facilitators' prerogative to bring that force to hold the circle together. Uh, this interface, I think, is such an important part of who we are, how we're developing, what's next for us. As a hu human... As human race. race. yeah. As human on race. this precious, golden light-filled, fecund, ailing planet. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think this idea, force and form, he said, I, I, I find that really provocative. Um, and it brings up, for me, the idea of form and emptiness. Yes. Um, yeah. From Buddhism. Yeah. Right? Uh, and the Heart Sutra, emptiness is form, form is emptiness. Um, but I would say force and form are both within the world of the manifest. 
then there is the Ein Sof, right? We're getting too Kabbalistic here for my audience, but well, yeah, right. There's the there's there's that which is beyond form uh, or force. That's right. Right, which is where all of that arises. For the force and the form both arise from the common, whatever you want to call it, the holy, blessed, infinite. Yeah. That is beyond force and form. But gives rise to force and form. That's so in this, I, yes. So we are definitely in the supernal realm. And again, this is very Kabbalistic, but that place just beyond Keter, just beyond the crown of who we are. Right. Below that, beyond that, that does exist and from which all emerge. Yet, something it talks about in this week's Parsha the seven species, the barley mm-hmm. and the wheat. The figs, pomegranates, grapes for wine, olive oil, you know, these, these, uh, the date honey, mm-hmm. this pleasure, which is such a part of our human existence, that cannot be accessed from Ain Sof. So we respect that Ain Sof, but we get to participate and unfold these wisdoms through. The everyday. See, we're getting the, now we're getting to the parsha a little bit, but we're also getting into the theory behind it. This is another episode I did in, of the podcast, which was um, how we relate to pleasure and, ah. and desire, ah, um, and the whole idea of, of tantra. Yeah. Right, and and how um, the Jewish and Kabbalistic tradition are really more of a tantric tradition in the sense that. Many of the Buddhist traditions, like Zen, are much more about sort of getting in touch with that which is beyond form, and and, and you know is just what I would call the Ain Sof or whatever the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and like like Vajrayana Buddhism is very much about pleasurable images and smells and sounds and and same with Judaism, right? And so I I talked about there's a story of the um, I think I did this story, uh, the story of the tzaddik in the cemetery. Have you heard this story? It's a story about a, a tzaddik. Uh, well, he starts out. He's a he see. It's from Rishit Chochma, which is a 16th century Kabbalistic work, and then beginning of wisdom. Yeah, uh, and also by Eliyahu Davidus, who was the main disciple of Moshe Cordovero mm-hmm. until um, Luria came along in 1570. Um, and Davidus was writing Rashid Hochma from 1570 to 1575. Like, I picture him sort of in his room, like, writing. And meanwhile, like, Luria comes to town. He's like, I came from Egypt. Here I am. And Cordero's like, oh, well, you can be my main successor. And well, Davidus was, you know. Anyway, so Davidus uh, presents a story from Isaac of Akko, which Reb Zalman used to tell a lot. Uh, and E. Wilson told I've heard her tell it as well, which is about this guy who uh, he sees this princess uh, who's coming out of the bathhouse. She be, she gets uncovered for a minute, and he falls in love with her, and he asks her when they could be together, and the, and she says, in the cemetery this will be. Uh, have you ever heard this story? No. She says, in the cemetery this will be, but never anywhere else, meaning like when we're dead we'll be equal and you can be with me. And so he goes, though he goes, he thinks she's serious, and he goes and he waits in the cemetery. And he ends up, um, like delving into his desire for her 
and he reaches enlightenment through like contemplating her form and her beauty and his desire to be with her and he ends up becoming this tzaddik anyway that's the short version of the story but it that, that's how I, that's like the core of like the the and this what it's he like, says what davida says is uh, this is a mashal, an example of, of how our uh, love for the Shekhinah should be. So, so this is, so you've, you've spoken about, um, you know, we've kind of spoken about force and form in the material realm. We've talked about the Ain Sof, which is beyond that. Mm-hmm. I want to remind us that Torah gives us an example of an in-between place of that, that I think this story nudges up against. Because it says in Exodus, when it's talking about the construction of the Mishkan, that the Aron, the Ark, which by the way, the Ark is often representative of the heart. Mm-hmm. If the Ark is an archetype of, of, of how the cosmos is formed, yeah. and the body is also... Um, connected to that ark, to that mishkan. Mm-hmm. The aron, the heart, it becomes the heart of our body. And we want to talk about the heart today because heart is literally mentioned, that word for heart, lev, is mentioned 11 times in this parsha. So there's going to be something about the heart that is very wow. important for us to explore. And the word love, ahava, is mentioned six times in this Parsha. So heart and love has got to be a part of our story today, our study today. Yeah. I want to remind us, though, that in that construction of the Aron, there are rings put, four rings, two on each side that's put onto the mm-hmm. Aron. And then there's a pole mm-hmm. that's put through it. And the Torah is very clear. the circle and the line. Ah, yeah. you see where I'm going. Yeah. And so it says that that's, that pole and that hole shall never be separated. And that is akin to Chochmah and Bina. So in the supernal realm, the pole and the hole, if you will, are never separated. They are always together. They are one. They are alike. Is but it Chochmah and Bina, though? According to well, so the Kabbalah that I have read, it is Chochman Binam. For the point of this story, yeah, we'll go with that description if it's okay. Well, okay, but hold on. The circle and the line, right? I is zero and one, yeah. and I always associate the zero with the fool in the tarot deck, which is basically Ket- Aleph. Keter Aleph, right? Which is the first sphere or the pathway between mm. Keter and Chochmah, and one is the magician. Right, which is bet, which is chokhmah, and so I, I, I'm I thought actually, it was that way, but but that's just because that's what's it been in my head, right? I so, actually am going to beg that we don't get into this element right, of the people discussion. Are, yeah, people a, are. Hey, it's taking yeah. us off of a yeah, yeah. B, there are many ways to argue this. Yeah. And we need a lot more. Right, discussion and we're and, and it's sort of like arguing how many angels can dance on the head of a pin and people aren't really necessarily interested in so let me just, unless they're wonky yeah. wonky you know yeah. occultists and, like us and yeah. i want to say this as well the assumption that the letters that are the lines um ben mentioned earlier this is the 22nd podcast 
Yes, there this is the twenty-second episode of the show. There's project. twenty-two Hebrew letters. Yeah. There's twenty-two lines on the tree of life. There's thirty-two paths of wisdom, ten of which are the spherot, and twenty-two of which are the letters, which are the pathways between the ten spherot. Which is thirty-two. Two, which is lev, which so, is the word for heart, which yeah. is mentioned eleven eleven times yes. in this parsha. Yeah. And 11 is probably not a coincidence either. There you go. So, um, for the purposes <laughs> of this discussion... Yes. Chochmah and Bina. Allow right? Wisdom us and to intelligence. say okay. that in the lower spherot, in the earthly plane, you have, um, you have um, opposites, um, opposites attract. In the spiritual plane, like attracts like. So where that pole and hole never separate... That's because they like each other and they never separate. So there are various levels that we access mm. that mystery of how do we go from insof, that which nothing exists, into manifestation. We can't forget that middle realm. And then the really last thing I want to say in response to something you said is we cannot believe that an ascription of a letter to one of those 22 paths is static. It's actually dynamic. Mm. Yeah, and it's probably context-dependent. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so... Do we get into the Parsha? Let's get into the Parsha. Is that enough of an intro? I think, you know, we were... I, I thought we were going to go in a totally different direction, and I think you thought that, too, because of the discussions we were having before we started study. But again, we said the blessing, and then what arose was I think one of these themes that I've been working on in uh, developing in this podcast which is which is sort of getting in touch with this deep understanding of the universe and how it works mm. right and, yes and and as much as I'd like to have like a debate with you about you know um, you know this week's Parsha this week's Parsha talks a lot about uh, Actions and consequences, cause and effect, cause and effect, and karma. If and, this, then and, that, and and theodicy gets into the question and Book of Job. And as much as I'd like to have a debate with you on that, I also realize how honored I am to have somebody who's so in touch with very deep um, wisdom about the universe and about mm. you know. I want to use the word. We don't really have a word for it in in Judaism. Maybe Kabbalah, maybe um, Segulot, right? Mm. Uh, uh, Treasure. Maybe Chokhmah, you know. But but you have a very deep wisdom about um, occult matters, for want of a better word. I don't know how, how you would put it in. In English, I, don't I know. have dabbled how the universe how the universe works in right. deep deep sort of undercurrent ways yes. that aren't necessarily obvious to normal rational waking world consciousness, and that's not to say that it's not that this way of understanding the world isn't actually deeply embedded in a scientific understanding of reality too. I think it is, you know, as we were implying about the zero and the one and the binary and, you know, I, transcendent and function. I think, I think we don't all, forget transcendent function, the third thing, the alchemical, 
We can never talk about, if we don't talk about the alchemical when we bring up binary, we have, are in danger of limiting our thought. Right, so, right, uh, thesis, antithesis, th synthesis. You don't want just the thesis and the antithesis without the synthesis. Adam, Chava, Nachshon. Nachash, I mean. Right, you need the, you need the third. Yeah. Um, Keter Chochmabina, right? Chesed Gevura Tiferet. Chabad Bina Da'at. Right, Chochmabina Da'at, yeah. So, 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 yes, you need the three. And the other thing I would say is um, a lot of modern mathematics, science, is based in a lot of these sorts of understandings of reality. If you go back to Pythagoras um, and... Uh, his group of people that he, you know, had a sort of uh, spiritual society with, um, they believed their their most important object was called the tetractus. It was this equilateral triangle that had ten points. That was one, two, one on the first level, two on the second level, three on the third level, and four on the fourth level. And that's how they thought that the that the infinite manifested into reality. So it was a kind of a cube. Well, it's a triangle. It's an equilateral triangle, right? So it looks sort of like, and I might put this on the graphic for today's episode, uh, it looks sort of like, like this. Uh, it's like an equilateral triangle. So the one gives rise to the two, the two gives rise to the three, and the three gives rise to... To the many. The many, right, which is four. Right, and then, so, but this is very deep science, scientifically because these ratios are, are the golden ratio right and um, he used to carry around a monochord which is this one string uh, that was pulled tight this was an instrument and he would he would put his finger on the string and pluck the harmonics on the string and the harmonics appear in the exact places on the strings where this ratio is on the string where the three to two uh, four to three three to two and two to one right? so he was working with a kind of base 10 model that that was a cosmological beginning and there's so many ways that that occurs for example in christian kabbalah um, they use the cube which also comes down to a base 10 model which also is expressed through the tree of life, the Kabbalistic tree of life, which is also the exact same map as the Sri Yantra. And so I think what we have now just established is there is that universal truth is universal truth over time and tradition. And there's something about the wisdom of my map, because I use the Kabbalistic tree as my map, that is that can be an expressed in many right. different ways. And then it's ways. not over, and it's not opposed to sci a scientific understanding of the world. Right. Right, which is what people might often say is, you know, it's, oh, it's occult, it's magic, it's, right. but it's not. Right, so... By the I, way, I would never use the word occult. Yeah, so I would, maybe I shouldn't I have personally, used that. that's okay. Yeah. I would not use that word. I would say... Yes, well, I it's have, a trigger word for some people. You know, right. people don't. It, it's like the I word would, God. I, <laughs> certain words you have to be careful right. with. But I would say that there are unseen dimensions simultaneous, simultaneously existing mm -hmm. with um, with what we what apparent reality shows, and that one can develop skills in order to access that wisdom in those dimensions and principles like synchronicity. 
Yeah. They are, um, or when we feel like, wow, everything's just happening in this certain way, when we feel like we're kind of surfing that cosmic like the wave, flow. Yeah. that flow, we, we have tastes of this. And yes, I have dabbled in that kind of study. Right. So I mean, I'm not going to use the word occult then. Thank you. Um, the one other thing is that this is the point, this is the line, this is uh, the simplest two dimensional figure, which is a triangle, this is the simplest three dimensional figure. figure which is which, the square. Which is no. the pyramid. The py- Ah, great. Beautiful. Right? And ah. then the two of these yeah. interlaced with each other makes the Merkava. Makes the... So where are we going with this in I don't know. I don't know. Ex- to our beautiful, to this beautiful week's study. All right. Well, so let's... let's we don't so you're being to. very you're being very linear. I'm being very circular here. Well, I uh, I uh, I'm trying to weave the two together. Great. So let's 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 <laughs> let's. Okay. So we've now created a beautiful space. Yeah. A beautiful circle into which we're now going to put our chakav, our our channel of study into. So wh- where do you want to start? Okay. I'll start there. There is a Kabbalistic principle that, that it was taught to me by my teacher, uh, uh, Samuel Lavital, a master Kabbalist, um, who says that you take a word root, and once you have that word root, three-letter shorish, a word root, you can then transpose it in different ways, and there are six possibilities of how that word root can show up. Mm-hmm. And so we have Ayin Kuf Vait, which is um, which is the word root. It's the second word of this parsha, Vahaya Akev Tishmeun, and it will be something Akev listen, and how we translate that, we'll look at it in a second. Um, but one of the ways you can work with that word not only is to look up every possibility of its translation, but then to take that shorish and reconfigure it in mm. various ways. So one of the configurations of Akev is kuf veit ayin, which means to limit or to fix. Mm. Or affix, too. Yeah. So yeah, so you want to say we're now going to put the, the kav in here, so you actually... Mm. I, got, I, I created the first root here. Yes, yes, you've linked us straight into the Parsha. One other... So let's let's go into that word for a second, right? Yeah, yeah. So Zman Kavua is a, a fixed time. Yeah. Right? Like in like if you're in modern Hebrew, right, you say, let's find a Zman Kavua to, to do this appointment. It's a fixed time. So anything Kavua, is, it's fixed. Yeah. It's unmoving. Right, it's right. unchanging. Uh, Likboa Mezuzah is another, right, you're fixing the mezuzah to the house right. with a nail right. or whatever. So this know. concept is important. Ke- well, keva versus kavana, right? Keva is your inner intention. Yeah. Kava, or sorry, kavana is your inner intention. Keva is your outer form. So that's one word. Now, another word that can be created out of this, because we're going to try and understand, and this will link up, Surprisingly, in a moment, be patient, everybody. Mm-hmm. You could look at it as Beit Ein Kuf, which is, I'm sorry, I, I made a mistake. I mean, to, uh, to Beit Kuf Ein, Beit Kuf Ein, mm. which is to burst open, to, to split open. Yeah. It's to like kind of to burst forth. So you have a sense of fix, you have a sense of burst forth. Within this word, 
Hmm, hmm. That sounds a little circle line to me. You also have then looking at the word ayin kuf vate. It can mean reward. It can mean if only. It can mean heal. Just like Yaakov, Jacob was grabbing onto his brother's heel. He was trying to supplant his brother. And so somehow, if we're going to really crack open this Parsha. It also means after. It means after. Like if, if this and this, like after, result. Right. Um, and so we now have the possibility of looking at what this Parsha can be about by studying this word. What is, why is heel this sense of reward? And what does the fixed of the of the kav and the openness, the bursting forth, if I share those meanings, how are you going to respond to that? What does that mean to you of what this Parsha is going to try and lead us towards? Well, what I would do is I would keep looking. I would look at the rest of the sentence. Okay. Um, and then we'll come back. And see I if there's have more, a more to say about we'll that. We'll see if there's more because the word itself, right? It can go. We could go anywhere, right? We could, but but we need to see what it's referring to, right? So yes. if tishmeun, right? Tishmeu is to listen. Right. Um, is listening important? Well. Maybe, uh, yes. Listening is important, but but it, it, what's interesting is they're translating it here in JPS as um, obey. Oh, oh, I'm having trouble with that one. Well, I that's was, such a commentary. I had this idea actually. Uh, such a commentary. Rabbi Shoshana and I were thinking of our, our sermons for High Holidays, and I had this idea to to do an entire sermon on the Shema, and because I've been just. You know, as you know, I'm very into Buddhist yeah. stuff, and the and for me, the word Shema. In the Shema, but in general, is about listening, but it's about paying attention. Yeah, and it's about awareness, taking which heat. is what I'm trying to do when I meditate, right? So when I sit, usually when I'm successful, I do it twice a day, and sometimes I do a body based meditation in the morning. When I sit, I'm trying to pay attention mm-hmm. to whatever's arising in the moment, whether that's uh, thoughts, feelings, sensations. A lot of times for me, when I'm meditating, since I'm a very auditory person, it's auditory things that arise for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, often when I get really quiet, um, things will just pop, like words will just pop out of my head. Like I'll just hear things, Mm -hmm. like hearing voices. Sure. Um, And, you know, they'll just be just random snippets. You know, sometimes I can really make them out and sometimes I can't make them out. Um, But then I had these these two other things, right? So so I, I sort of came up with this formulation that when I'm meditating, there's automatic thoughts uh which are thoughts like that just pop out like those words that just pop out of my head and there are intentional thoughts which are the thoughts that i'm like okay i'm in i i'm trying to think about like i'm putting my awareness on my breath right now right that's a sort of an intentional thought or you know something or like when i'm saying a mantra and i'm trying to say it clearly 
right? I'm trying to say and think the thoughts that the mantra is supposed to be, that those are intentional thoughts. So why am I talking about all of this, right? So this is Shema, which is awareness to me. And it can be awareness of either whatever, something that's intentional, but it's really the intentional awareness. It's not, it's not the unintentional. It's not like, oh, like my thought just like got, went away, went astray. So for me, meditation is when the, the important part of practicing meditation is when you realize that your thought has gone off away from your object of focus and you bring it back to your object of focus. So I'll tell you where you're confusing me a little and yeah. where you're delighting me. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Um, the confusion is between the listening, the Shema, and the thought. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I do believe there's, there's different faculties. I think the thought happens through cognitive processes, and because my teacher Samuel Avital talks about how the ear is connected to the belly, I consider Shema to be a more belly-embodied experience. So you've confused me a little bit here. Where you're delighting me mm-hmm. is in talking about listening as awareness. That sense of, that's why I'm irritated by the obey, because the obey brings us out of a process of how we interface with the world and how we allow ourselves to be moved and increase awareness into a, you better obey. And, and I find that stilting and, I, and that crushes my heart a little bit. So the sense that we're saying this ACAV if you will, or whatever really is going on with that word, we haven't unpacked it yet, but if you allow, and it's all you all, if you allow that Shema process to occur, where you receive through auditory something different than eyes or thought, if you allow yourself to take heed and increase your awareness Mm -hmm. through your interface through the Shema awareness, Something's going to happen. And, and, and so that's kind of what you're saying brings up for me. Yeah, so, so I will try and fix the confusion a little bit. Um, so I feel like there's, there's awareness and there's, there's, there's levels of awareness. Right, so By the way, Tishma'un ends in a nun, the letter nun, Mm-hmm. Which some commentators, like Or Hachaim in particular, speaks that that nun represents the fifty gates of understanding. Mm, beautiful, right? So there's there's a, a level there's a there's 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 awareness, but there's different levels of awareness, right? So there's this great story from Reb Zalman that he said his daughter said to him, "Daddy, uh, you know when you're sleeping and you wake up, she was could, four years old. Could you be time. awake and be wake up more? Right? Something yeah. like that." Did you remember that? She was four years old at the time. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, she was four years old. Can you wake up even more, Daddy? Yeah. Right, so so, so that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right, so the, there's thoughts that we have that we're not always aware of. Like like when you're driving your car and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I got to my destination. Like I didn't, I wasn't even aware that entire time. Like I wasn't aware of driving. I wasn't, I was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And then you're like back to, oh, I'm driving right now. That's yeah. that's the awareness that yeah. I'm talking about. Or when you're meditating, when well, I'm meditating and I'm aware of or presence. Well, it's it's a it's it's an it's a it's both. 
both. I mean, okay. I don't see the difference. For me, it's like uh, uh, the way I put it, and we, our beautiful teacher Thich Nhat Hanh puts it, is um, breathing in, I'm aware of breathing in. Breathing out, I'm aware of breathing out. Right? That's his basic meditation that everything else is based on. Right? That He says whenever you meditate, that, that's the first thing that you should be doing. Right? And that's from the... Um, Satipatthana Sutta from the Buddha, right? That aware of breathing in, I'm aware of breathing in, aware of breathing out, I'm aware of breathing out, aware of breathing in, I'm aware of a short breath or a long breath, right? So, so, so there's a difference between, okay, I'm meditating and I'm aware I'm breathing in and I'm aware I'm breathing out, but that doesn't, for me, I, it doesn't last very long because I, it, cause my mind is like a, like a bird jumping from branch to branch or like, Sometimes when I'm sitting outside and meditating, there's like birds chirping everywhere. That's my mind. It's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So so that awareness of the breath, that's like a higher awakeness. It could be presence, could be awareness. Gotcha. Versus like, oh, I was just like planning my grocery list for 10 minutes. Oh, wait. Okay, now I'm back. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a great... Right, that to me is Shema, right? That yeah. to me is Tishma'un. Tishma'un. Right, it's like to be fully present to to what to the moment. To what is to the, the moment. I'm right now experiencing a phenomenal presence practice called driving cross-country. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm four weeks into a seven-week road journey, and I put in well over 3,000 miles. And so um, I sit in the car and I find it, I call it a sitting meditation. Mm -hmm. And so that sitting meditation of just driving with full presence, because, you you know, if you're going, of course, I always drive the speed limit. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) But if you're driving at high speeds, you want to be fully present. And I have found the sitting meditation that I've been doing to really... Um, what's the word to it, it is coloring my experience on this road trip because I'm more present than I've ever been um, I am listening to the moment so let's go with this and it will right. be if 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 you're if this ache have thing that could be fixed bursting forth presence uh, uh, condition you know something about this ache have if now you will listen if you will have this full presence to all the possibility of awareness um, well, let's 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 make a full translation for a second. Okay. Right. So so. Do you want to say? Yeah. Right. That means. Do you want to say the whole sentence? It will be, or after it will be. Right. Ekev. Let's go with. Um, like bursting forth, or or and, um, or. And it will be if you um, allow the principle. Of to arise, allow the principle of cause and condition. Uh, if you allow the principle of consequence of your action, if if you allow for you to be present to that, you to, to be, be present aware and aware of that, because you're listening deeply to the moment, heeding it. You're listening in deeply to awareness. wait, wait, listening deeply to Edha Mishpatim Ha'ela. You're yes. listening to these uh, mishpatim is is social laws right well it's also like 
uh, it comes from shofet, which is judge, right? It's like these, it's like the, the thing, right? And, and mishpat also means a sentence. Like mm-hmm. when you're talking about in grammar, like mishpatim are the sentences in your, in like a sentence, like from sentence structure. Right. Right. So it's like the, if you listen to like the, the, these things that structure, these, yeah, these things that, that structure society, that structure the world, them. right? Right. Uh, uh, and you, uh, and, and you and you follow them and you, you guard them you guard them and you do them whatever they are you keep with these structures whatever they are um, so then if that happens then whatever that is um, then the transcendent principle that is beyond our understanding of well, let's being, go with that okay uh Will keep for you et habrit ve et hachesed. So that's got to unpack that for me there. Before I unpack that, I want to just name something extraordinary in this opening sentence. Because, and it will be if all ya all heed, if all ya all guard, if all ya all do, and Mm. then suddenly it goes from plural. To Vishamar Adonai Elohecha God will keep for you what, and then the, the covenant and the kindness. So there's mm. something here about the interface. So if collectively you are aware of, of this cause and effect principle in the world that's arising uh, based upon your actions, based upon the principles of the way the world works, if collectively you're aware of that if collectively you do them if collectively you follow them collectively in community yes presumably as, yes. as a human race yes so well maybe you know at this y- point Israel. let's be clear it's it's a tribal doing these mishpat team because mm-hmm. these mishpat team are specifically designed for the tribal culture uh, but we also can hold in our mind that that there's to be a lamp unto the nation, so it's tribal just to be universal. Um, but there's something about if this happens through this collective, then you in particular will have um, will have a benefit. And I want to speak have to the this. Brit and the chesed. That's right. I want to speak to this how important that was this promised is. to your ancestors. That was promised to your ancestors. So here we have lineage piece. How do we connect to the lineage? We connect through collective responsibility. Then we have individual. And this is something that's so important from a Hebrew wisdom point of view is that I cannot exist outside of the collective of responsibility to community around me. In other words, something that's uniquely Hebrew, Hebraic about this, and I prefer to say Hebrew wisdom as opposed to Jewish wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of that is this sense of the interface between community and individual. And whether or not I like that, you know, I have this saying that I love humanity, but people kind of drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um Yet, I am accountable for my own personal um, benefits within a collective. Well, I'm going to bring it. <clears throat> I'm going to bring it even farther out to this word again by our beloved Thich Nhat Hanh, which is interbeing. Yes, 
right. right? That that word is huge here, right? So yeah. so when we're talking about the collective, yes, we're talking about interbeing. That's right. Right, and by the way, that's one of the translations I use for Yudhe Vavhe. I like it. Interbeing with a you know like with a big I, you yeah. know, it is the interbeing right of everything. Yeah, it's good, and for <laughs> me, it's not only interbeing; it's also what exists beyond that beingness. Right. So it's that which gives rise to the interbeing, but it's Yudhe Vavhe. It's not in Sof, right? Right. So it is the process. Fair enough. Right, and it's the movement. Right, Yudevavhe is a is a verb caught in motion, and forced to act as a noun. So before we go, yes, I'm with you. With I'm not. I'm with you. Um, so the interbeing. So I if, little, if as a collective, yeah, if as a collective we're aware of, we're aware of the way the world works, and we're keeping to these sort of laws of the world. I'm calling them social laws. Social okay. laws. Well, that's not it's when you say social as just hu- human. Things that, that human. human. Human things that And is it just things human? Things we do. Take a deep look. It's also I, the environment. Right? So like if uh, you're polluting, yeah, okay. right? It's not just human. Okay, right? so that's why I said social laws. And social it's laws. Animals. It's, social laws is not about just But human when you say social, the implication is human. Well, when I say social, <laughs> that's when, not the implication. When when I say social, Fair enough. I am talking to who I am as a social being within these many realms, and my Adam humanness comes out of the Adama soil, and everything that has its sustenance from that soil is interconnected in our interbeing nature. So social for me will never be in spite of or other than the earth herself and her express her sentient expressions, be it rock, plant, tree, animal, bird, insect, human. That to me See, I would call is it, social. I would call it natural laws. Fine. Fine. We can we can we can have a healthy disagreement on this. It's semantic. Yeah. yeah. So I want We know go, what we're talking about. Before we go and even leave this, I want to go back to Akev one moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little machmer about this okay. uh, because I always like to stick to the text. I always like to go By the way, back. we're way over 18 minutes. I'm well point, aware of that. You know, it's okay. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I want to really say this point about Akev because okay. of its connection to Yaakov. Mm-hmm. So I want us to think of a heel for a second. Everybody think of a heel. And what does a heel look like? And you're like, oh, there's like a 90, it's crooked. Mm-hmm. You go from a straight tibia, um, um, oh my God, I can't remember, believe the bone just topped out of my head. Um, the two bones, tibia and whatever. Tibia? No, no. the other one. Anyway, no, no. the two bones uh, that come down, they meet at that calcaneus, and then it goes to the foot. It's crooked. There's something about the heel that's crooked. And often that word is used mm-hmm. as a translation, mm-hmm. but there's something else about the heel. Everybody that's listening to this, imagine right now you're going to take a step forward. What hits the ground first? The heel every single time. Nobody walks around on tiptoes. Unless you're a ninja. Oh, come on. Unless you're a ninja or a ballerina, please. Um, And so we take, let's say I want to do something. Uh I want to put myself into direction. 
the direction of a thousand journeys begins with but a single step. So how we step begins with the heel, how we it and we move forward from there. So the where we put our heel points the direction of where we're going to go. So there's something very important about taking a step, about deciding where you're going to step. That is going to set your direction. I believe that's why it's connected to conditionality. Because I am now going to take this AKIV, I'm going to take this step, and that's going to set me in a certain direction. And that, that direction will have a consequence of what comes mm. next in my life. Well, and so, yeah. Jacob, who begins with crooked, it's also brings in the journey of the one who went from Yaakov to Yisrael to Yeshurun. From the one who goes from crooked one, a little bit devious, nobody mm-hmm. can deny Jacob's devious nature, mm-hmm. to Yisrael, the one who struggles, mm-hmm. to Yeshurun, the one who is upright, who can stand tall and upright in a satisfied way. By the way, we just created a three-step process by exploring that Jacob's journey from kind of like where we're at, the Havdalah struggle of what happens in order to create a Hamdaka, a new nature. We just talked about, um, you know, you know, line, here's where I am, circle, here's my process. And then what comes next in that transcendent function, a new way of being in the world. All of that is inherent within that word Akaf, as I read it. Right. How, do, how does that land for you? It, it, I like I like it. I and? Like, and it's and it appeals to me in my sort of wonky, geeky way. And you know, I'm aware of a lot of these drashas of the word Akev. And I find that sometimes when you pull a word out so far of context, you you lose the the narrative framework of the. It, it gives you a whole different view of looking at right. You could have a whole drash just based on the word. It's the word itself, did. right? Which is what we did. <laughs> but it's and. also part of a you know multi-page text here. Yeah. So so. So then what happens is you end up sort of losing the forest for the trees, maybe. I Here's why right? I but, don't. Here's why I don't. Because yeah. what I've just set up is this sense of, okay, what's going to be following here is this is going to be a story. This becomes a story of curses and blessings. You know, we're looking for what is a spiritual gift out of here. And so, 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 wait, so, so what you're trying to say here, I think, I think what I hear you saying is that it's sort of like a hologram, right? That in that, uh, the entire image is present in one part of the hologram. I do, I do. Right. So, so holographic, like the Torah is like a hol- hologram here, right? So that, that this one word is a whole is on. Give, it's a whole, it's a whole on. Right, right. A whole on. This is, it's a whole on representing the entire hologram, which is this Parsha. That is what And I then said. the Parsha itself is probably a hologram representing the entire Torah, and the Torah itself is a hologram representing the entire... Right, so, but you could go on and on. But I wanted to add about Ekev, you know, from my, from my Eastern perspective and my Buddhist perspective, the whole idea of causes and conditions. Yeah. 
right? That I've, yeah. That everything that that you do is a result of all of the causes. Everything that happens to you in life is a result of all the causes and conditions that led up to that moment. And we might not always see what those causes and conditions are, but you can't deny the fact that it is that everything that happens is a result of all of the causes and conditions that gave rise to it. So even when something horrible happens, um, it's still a result of all of the causes and conditions that led up to that happening. So when somebody does something horrible, um, whatever it was that were the causes and conditions that led up to that person doing that horrible thing, were that those were the causes and conditions that led up to that person doing that horrible thing, right? And it's sort of like everything in the world is is interdependent and interbeing on everything else in order for that thing to so be. So we we right? we, which is exactly what I was trying to say, is where you plant your foot is the direction in which right. you're going to go. That's, that's why I was saying that's how it struck me. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and I I caught. I mean, this to me, this is all about causes and conditions, and oftentimes we only see it. Um, in hindsight, you know, twenty hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back and understand some things. It could take one year, could take ten years, it could take fifty years, or you know, if we and sometimes we miss it in our lives. Uh, but I think you're right. I think this sets up this sense of you know within this parsha is this sense of understanding how you. Put your foot down. How you how you understand that there is a consequence to where I move forward, and that there are tools here. There are these mishpatim, for example, that will help me shape my behavior so that I can have the most beneficent consequences. That's the hope here. And now our job is to figure out some are. You know, I think we have to kind of even though. I now understand you and I could talk forever um, because, you know, look at how far we've gotten so far. Um, you asked me to come in here and say, what is a spiritual gift within this that allows me to live a vibrant life? Mm -hmm. And one of them is that sense of having responsibility of where am I going to point my foot? Where am I going to point my foot and here's something fun that people can do in their spare time when you're in conversations with people watch how people stand and the direction their feet are planted sometimes we plant our feet socially in directions like I don't really want to be here and the feet might be pointed in a di different direction there's really a lot of information I used to be a body worker and I found that by working with people's feet and how they put their feet, their whole body could clear up in pain just by paying attention to how they put their foot down in the world and toe off. There's so much there. This partially gives me that well, information. So this brings me back to this brings me back to this idea that I was originally talking about with I know I keep interrupting you. <laughs> This, but there's just so much here, right? So this brings me back to this to the distinction between keva and kavana, right? That 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 where your intention is, right? That's your kavana, right? Where it's your direction, but there's also the keva, which is the 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 
previous causes and conditions that exist in reality that mm-hmm. you have to come up against. What I call in in from existentialist philosophy your facticity, right? That that it's the facts of your of existence, right? That's the keva, right? That's the fixed structure. By the way, that's that's a permutation of ekev, right? Keva. Yes. Right. No. No. I'm fine right. with so, you. So so so. <laughs> There's the kavana, which is your inner intention. There's the keva, which is, which is the facts of reality. It's the structure of reality that's fixed that you come up against with your kavana, um, which reminds me of when I was talking about when I'm meditating, the automatic thoughts versus the intentional thoughts. Right? The intentional thoughts is like, okay, here's my intention. Like I'm intentionally putting my intention attention on my breath versus like, oh, I'm just floating away with whatever the the world is taking me. So how are you dealing with the fact that we hear these automatic thoughts, we hear, and again, you're, you're, you know, that thought hearing thing. Mm. Um, What about the hearing that comes from um, what uh, Danny Matt calls the sheer stillness? That voice that comes from sheer stillness that we, um, you know, hear about. I think that's beyond both of those things. I okay. think that's the ground of being, right? That's, okay. That's what I would call... That can be accessed. God, maybe. I don't know if Do I want to use that word. It could be higher self. It right. could be angelic. Whatever it, could it be is. Godlike. Right. It could it's, be... But it's not... It's different but isn't that than like we hear wait, too? I just heard a snippet of a song lyric arising from my head, right? That and maybe it's similar, you know, maybe it's similar to that, but but that that deep stillness to me is like a buzzing or a you know, it's like it's it's almost it's beyond words. It's All beyond right. words, right? It's right. Once you're in the realm of words, you're in the realm of the nun, you're in the realm of bina, right? Right. right. In the spherotic diagram. You, in yeah. the sphiotic diagram, right, right, Bina is the gatekeeper between uh, Bina that is which where is where the fifty gates right, of Nun live, right, which by is the way. language, right. So language differentiation, but language, right. So when you're so like words and specifics and 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 the specifics of words and concepts that comes from Bina. Chokma is like sort of like the deep inner wisdom, but yeah. Bina is like. You know, I'm having a thought here. She's the gatekeeper between those two realms, okay. right? So she's the upper mother, which is the gatekeeper between those. Where are you taking us? Where am I taking yeah. us? I yeah. thought you were taking no, us. No, not at all. No, not at all. So before we leave, heal. Okay. In um, Torah study on Monday, somebody said, "Ah, I get it. So your heel is the rudder of your soul." I want to bring this to soul. Somehow within this Parsha, for me, there is an interface between spirituality and materiality and how we figure out how to bring that forth from the world. I got a great Arizal quote ready for you to proof text this. When we get it, when we get there. Uh, But but if the heel is the rudder of our soul, Mm -hmm. that's like the Kavanah is going to give us a fixed keva place to move forward. 
And the whole purpose of this isn't just to do a task. It is order to grow our soul. I would like to say for me in this first sentence, what I'm getting out of it is that sense of cause and conditions based upon where I'm going to put my awareness and intention so that I can access this Shema energy in order to look at the laws, the Mishpat team, in relationship to collectivity so that I can have individual merit. So, so, so hold on a second. That's what's going right. on so, for me so in yes, the first sentence. But, so I think you're putting too much into the ACAB, right? I th- it's, there's a lot there. But, but I, I, don't think, I'm not I think the nothing. idea of the causes and condi- conditions... I don't think that that exists in and of itself. When you get the the soul involved, and I, I mean, and maybe maybe I'm just pushing you a little bit on the the whole rudder concept and the heel concept. But when you get the soul involved, for me, it's the tishmeun, right? That that and and you could even if you're gonna read it, right? I like to read things like Kabbalists read them, which is instead of saying ekev tishmeun et mishpatim, right, that you listen to these or you are aware of these mishpatim, what if it's ekev tishma'un, that you're aware of the ekev, that, it, that the awareness is of the causes and conditions, right, so that, that tishma, your shma, your listening, your awareness is actually, is actually the object of that verb is ekev. I love that. Right, so. That's beautiful. So, and then you would say, okay, so then what does mishpatim go with? It goes with, Ushmartem mm-hmm. and Vasitem. Right? So right. when you're aware, so then if we're rereading, retranslating it, right? Instead of when you're aware of the causes and conditions, then you keep and you you guard and you do the Mishpatim. I think that's a great read. And I think that's a that's that's a helpful read. I don't know if you would call that a remis read. I think that is a wonderful way to do that. And what it does as our spiritual practice is it invites us to enhance that awareness of really going, why? Why is, it, why is this happening? Or how did that happen? Or what role? It puts us into the process of really taking responsibility for ourselves. And I love that as a spiritual practice, too. And I love that as a tool for living a happier, more fulfilled yes. life. Right on. Right? And a life with more chesed, a life with more less suffering, right? Is that? And this brings me back to Thich Nhat Hanh, which he's... He's my guy. He's our guy. He's our guy. Right. So him. so his whole thing is is being present to everything that that is there in the present moment. Right. Whatever it is that's arising. And he's aware that that comes from causes and conditions. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. Right. And so like when he says, I'm drinking a glass of water, he's like, I'm aware of the cloud in the glass of water. Right. He right. says that all the time. Yeah. Right. Well, how is the cloud in the glass of water? Well, the cloud was the, the in the sky and it was a cloud and then it rained and then it came the water. Right. That's a simple one, an easy one. Or the piece of paper that the, the tree and the piece of the paper. tree and the piece of paper. Right. But it's not just the tree and the piece of paper. It's the tree. It's the it, mycelium. It's the mycelium. It's the person who, the person who chops who down. The tree, the tree it's, sure. the, it's the factory okay, so owner. Okay, so let me who, ask you a question. I, I think you've got your point here. So let me ask you a question. How does it feel of the possibility that that beautiful spelled out 
Thich Nhat Hanh wisdom exists right here in this very sentence. Well, we're bringing that to this. We are bringing it to it, but we're bringing it, that's the thing about Torah, is that by this process and what we bring forth, it enlivens in a new way. Well, I think Torah is a mirror. You know, I mean, they said, uh, turn it and turn it for, and every, turn it for everything's and turn it. in it. Uh, there's a Hasidic drosh on that, which says, turn it and turn it for everything is within you. Right? That everything is inside of that's you. Right. right. And so that's what I'm saying we're doing here, right? Yes. We're turning it and turning it because everything's, it's all, it's all inside of us. Yes. So I feel like we can still plumb deaths from this first sentence, but for the sake of time, you asked me <laughs> well, to uh, share We're way with beyond you. 18 minutes. Yeah, so you asked yeah. me to share with you what it is within this Parsha that's a spiritual practice. All right, and I'm going to listen now. I'm not going to speak for a little while. Well, uh, yes, you, you will. But, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, tur- I'll turn down my... Um, <laughs> I'll turn down my volume, my personal volume. I want to say that um, I want to preface this uh, by saying I had a remarkable spiritual experience on September 19th, 2005. Um, I call it a crash course in spiritual wisdom. When I uh, was in a cab, minding my own business, going someplace, and the cab driver chose to run the red light, a car hit us, and I hit my head very hard. I sustained a very, I sustained a traumatic brain injury from it. Uh, but the interesting thing about this story is that the left side of my brain was hit so hard that it turned my heart off, then my heart came back on, mm. and my left side of my brain was numb for 19 days. I didn't know it was numb for 19 days because it turns out that when your left brain and your analytical functioning doesn't function properly, there's no ego to be aware that it was missing. Hmm. I did not know it was gone. I did not realize I was not thinking logically. I did not understand that my ego was completely gone. I thought I was fine because there was no left brain to tell me otherwise. And all my friends, I'd be like, I'll be back at work in like two weeks. And all my friends are like, I don't think so, Charna, Mm. because I didn't realize. So now lying, it's now three and a half weeks later. And I mean, it's 19, it's almost 20 days later. And three o'clock in the morning, I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, you know, I had a really serious accident in a, I was at a conference and nobody called me to find out how I was doing. How come they didn't call me and how come they didn't call me and then I bolted upright because that was the first analytical thought I had. Mm. And what's the first thought I had? What about me? Very instructive. Here's the other part I want to say. When I had no left brain, the only thing I had was right brain thinking. And here's what exists without the ego. You ready? Mm-hmm. There was only two things that existed. Unconditional love. And God sparkles wherever I looked. All I could see was God's presence in whatever I saw. I was enlightened. 
Now, I couldn't, you know, cross the street. I couldn't forget about driving. I couldn't cook a quesadilla because it was too complicated. Mm -hmm. But I saw God everywhere and I loved everything. Once my left brain started coming back, I said, that's it. I will never let my left brain be queen bee again. She has to serve something higher because she, my left brain part, will take me out of the moment. It will take me out of love. It will take me out of connection. It will take me out of seeing God. Very instructive. So my promise to myself is I would never get out of bed again until my heart cracked open in love. And then I come across this sentence. Umaltem et orlod levavechem lo takshu od. And you shall circumcise the foreskin of your heart and your neck. It will not be stiff anymore. Hmm. I consider this to be the deepest spiritual practice I can do. This is my daily spiritual practice in the morning to be sure my heart is cracked open in love. And then during the course of the day as it closes for this reason or that reason, because that sucker grows back faster than the speed of light, Mm -hmm. to see if I can notice it in the moment, but certainly in my nightly practice, to review my day and say, did I keep my heart open? Where did it close? What do I need to learn in order to deepen my understanding, patience, and my own shadow work to keep it open? The thing about it being stiff-necked, and right before that, the Parsha says... What number is that? That's 1016. And so early in it, it says several ways, because you are a stiff-necked people. You are a stiff-necked people. You are a stiff-necked people. And here it says the antidote to that stiff neck. The antidote comes through love, my friends. It comes through love, which kind of looks like lev if you think about it. The last thing I want to say to it and then completely open this up is... If you are stiff-necked, that means you have trouble turning your head, which means you have trouble seeing opinions that are other than your own. You can't see to the left what somebody is saying or to the right of what somebody is saying if your neck is stiff. So I want to say within all of this, in these cursings and these blessings and figuring out causes and conditions, the antidote for it all comes down to love. It's my favorite sentence in the Torah for that reason. I'm trying to find it. What did you say it was? 10? 10-16. Okay. 10-16. Oh, it start, uh, before that, it's about love. <laughs> it was your ancestors that yud he was drawn. That's right. Look, it love. starts with 10-12. It starts with 10-12, where we understand about Yerat oh, and Ahavat. And that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite verses. Yes. That's right. That's right. So now is, we have. Which translated? So what is what Yisrael does Adonai does Yud Hey Vav Hey uh, ask, ask of, of you? you? And I'm, it's a very rough translation. It's a very face value translation to to have awe for in in Yud Hey Vav Hey. 
Yudei Vave combined walk. with Elohim. Right, Elohim. Right, so that's those two aspects. To walk, to go, lelechet. That's halacha also. That's law, mm-hmm. right? Bechol drachav in all of its ways. Ula ahava and to love oto it. Ula avod to to serve or to serve it. I don't know. Yudei To serve, work, right? To work for that. With all of your heart, and it's levav, not lev, it's the two bets, right? It's your two yetzers, it's your yetzer hara, your yetzer tov, it's your two inclinations, and all of your soul. And the nefesh that is interrelated with all interbeing. Right. Because all sentience has a nefesh. Which we'll be singing tomorrow morning in shul. Right, so that so that now that goes into, hey, but wait a second here, right? You you need don't cut away cut away the thickening of your heart and stiffing your neck no more. Because so that's this, what's gonna get you out of it. Because for me, the thickening of your heart is when ego supplants. Sorry, I, I used a word that was connected to Akev again. Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't want your egoistic notions to supplant the capacity to love. Because that's going to be your habit. That's going to be your habit is come back to, what about me? And I am important in right measure. And if I cling to just me and my needs and my egoic points of view, not only am I going to have stiffness of the heart, but I'm going to create causes and conditions that might not create a pleasant life. Right, there's a, there's a great... Um so much there. So, first of all, there's there's a very common sort of refrain that uh, I've come up against in the Buddhist teachings that I that I read, which is this idea of I me mine, right? That that the ego is all about. George that. Horson I did a mine. song on that. I me mine, I me mine, I me mine. Do you remember that song? I don't. It's the it's the song that he wrote. When he, it's the song that George Harrison wrote when he, they were trying to film that last Beatles thingy, yeah. and he's like, that's it, I quit the band, and he went off, and he wrote this song, I Mean Mine, mine that came from his own, you know, kind of Hindu um, um, religious experiences yeah. in order to put it into perspective. I'll play it for you later. Right. Maybe. So, that, so there's the idea of I Mean Mine, and... and the illusion of the of the self, although that's it's tricky because there is a self, right? And, and the Buddha actually, there's a story about how the Buddha was approached by these Hindu materialists, and they're like, "You said there's no self, there's no soul, so let's all be hedonistic." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. there is a self, <laughs> right?" But but this brings me back to something that Reb Zalman said, which is that first these two things I always say. Uh, Zalman said. If somebody tells you you got to get rid of your ego, you better watch your wallet. (laughs) And number two, he used to say, number two, Zalman used to say, the ego is a great manager, but a horrible boss. Um, And and so that's the balance there, I think, that you're pointing towards. Right. Can I tell you what... uh, Yeah. Something no, this is a little different. I I've got something from the Arizal, but it's not the right time for it. Maybe we'll we'll get there in a second or a minute. Um, so 
great manager, horrible boss. That's the line, right? Yes, like, that's exactly. You got you got to you got to circumcise it. You don't you don't have to cut it off altogether. That's right. You got to circumcise it. That's right. It's right? you got to keep it in check. You got to keep it in check. Keep it in. It's check. not to have no neck. It's just not to have a stiff neck. That's right. Right. You got to have you got to have some ego. You have to have the ability to turn it, your head. Right. Uh, but not so much ego right. that you that it's all about I me mine. Yes. Right. So um, so this brings me to another. So I'm like going back and forth between the Jewish and the Buddhist. That's so funny. Um, so this brings me to another piece, which is uh, in the morning. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh has this gata. This this. Uh, poem, practice poem that, and I'm going to get it a little bit different because I do it differently than he does it, but basically he says, um, waking up this morning, I smile. 24 brand new hours are ahead of me. I vow to live each moment with mindful awareness so I can bring love and compassion to all, to everyone I see. Right, that when you're aware of your anger as it's arising, when you're aware of your ego, not pushing it away, you know, and saying, oh, I need to get rid of my ego because, whoa, let's not do that. Ever. That's spiritual bypassing. Yeah. Right? So you're aware of your anger. You're aware of your sadness. You're aware of your, hey, nobody came to visit me. You're aware of that. And, like, when you're aware of that, when you're bringing mindful awareness to your ego, to your emotions, and tending to it like a, like a crying baby, then you can bring love and compassion to everybody that you this see. This is um, simple, yet very difficult. And it comes down to that simple intention, kavana, to notice when is my heart open and when is it closed. And I want to say from my point of view that in order to have that awareness, it includes having an awareness of a felt sense of the body. Hmm. Because there's a way in which breath changes, tone changes, body posture changes when that heart begins to shut down. And so what we're talking about is something highly integrative. Right. Um, uh, You know... Are we ready for this? Yeah, I I mean, I think we are. Um, All right, let's hear it. Because here's something from the Arizal, from uh, Rabbi Isaac Lurie of Blessed Memory, who we spoke of earlier. Just as the soul of man... Which needs to, and by man, I want to say I do not mean masculine, gendered, etc. We're looking at, we'll just So change use, your translation. No, I'm not going to change the <laughs> translation. I'll say Adam. I'll say Adam, which I translate as earthling. Great. Okay? Just as the soul of Adam, which needs to be clothed in a material body, only in order to descend into this world, um, so it is written with the Torah. So the soul of Adam is, is clothed, the soul, which is spiritual, is clothed in materiality so that it can have an experience in manifest realm. Right. Okay? Just like it is with the Torah. Yes. Meaning that so the, it, yeah. the inner meaning of the Torah is clothed within the physical scroll. That's right. And so what we've been trying to do perhaps randomly or inexpertly, but we've been trying to reveal some of that inner Torah so we're not just stuck with the outer clothing. Right, so this is, you know, okay. you know the word lila? 
I'm going to carry on yes. so we don't lose the train. Okay, go ahead. Similarly, the commandments possess a body. The mishpatim, for example, um, he uses the word mitzvot here, mm -hmm. but the obligations that includes a mishpat, the commandments possess a body, which is their physical performance. And a soul is the kavanah. A person meditates on in order to perform them properly. If the commandment is performed without intention, it is like a body without a soul. So I wanted to share that with you because you were making that point so clearly earlier. The Arizal agrees with you. Mm -hmm. And also just saying this sense that we often think, oh, I don't want those stinking rules. Yet there might be spiritual productivity in exploring those stinking rules to see whether or not they have shapes for us that can help us on this path of becoming more human and more loving. And how does that bring um, joy, happiness, less suffering to the individual? How does it bring joy for me? Yeah, well, first of all, having, having an open heart means I get to walk through the world with a lens of delight. I get to walk through the world with a lens of delight because love is delightful. And love has light in it. For me, light is God speak, if you will. And then as that light becomes more dense, it's love. Love for me connects me to light. That's why it delights me. Mm -hmm. And if I am a little uh, a, a spark of love in the world, then wherever I go, that's going to ripple out. Anytime somebody feels loved or affirmed, it makes the it eases suffering. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody like it doesn't matter if it's a friend sitting around a table or if it's a student, or if it's a teacher, or if it's the checkout person that I run into. It doesn't matter who it is. If I hold that good feeling and it ripples out and there's an affirmation, mirror neurons light up in the other, suffering has eased right there. I think that's one way. Another way that following these laws, if I trust them, I don't follow every mitzvah as it's put forth in the Torah, but I do wrestle with it until I can find its medicine that I can carry forth. Mm -hmm. And um, Right, well, what's interesting here, right, after your thickening the heart thing, it says some superlatives about God, right? But then it says, the awesome God, whatever, who shows no favor and takes no bribe, upholds the causes of the fatherless and motherless, the parentless and the widow, befriends the stranger, providing the them with food and clothing. You too must befriend the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Bam. It comes back to that relationship that we talked about in the beginning. So it starts maybe tribally, but by the time we get to chapter 10, verse 19, we realize it's universal. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Kindness, kindness is cool, as they say at Eden Village. Ah, uh, right? kindness is cool. Kindness, well, but we don't always see, we don't always see the joy and the, the benefit, the self-benefit, the ego benefit, 
right away to acts of kindness you know like like giving giving away food or giving away money or giving or or doing something for someone else and it's it's funny isaiah has gotten sort of into this uh, there was a friend we had who was having a hard day so i said let's go get her a gift certificate for a massage and a whole bunch of stuff and make a basket for her so we did and we brought it to her and he was like and he saw her face and he was like I want to do this all the time. Right. Right. Beautiful modeling. Beautiful modeling. And this would be a suggestion, you know, because how do you make this real? You know, we have these beautiful lofty concepts. I will always come back to, um, not always, but often come back to body experiences. Next time you or anybody listening to this does an act of kindness, not only look at the impact that act of kindness is, but come back and notice what happens in your body. Right. What is the sensation in your body? And notice that. Right. Let's bre- let's bring it back to the parsha where it says, right, Ushmartem, that you should keep all of these mishpatim, all of these things that you're supposed to do, and then Yudhevavhe Elohecha will give you the brit and the chesed. And the, and when I think of chesed, covenant and. I don't know how you're going to translate it. I call it love without limits. Beautiful. That's that's my pure force of of lovingness. Right. Which, by the way, needs to be balanced by breed. Right. I. I th- right. Yes. Right. So yes, because it's a yes, it's right. a circle and a line. Right. So Chesed is like I'm just going to give and give and give and give and give. But but the thing is, I think Nachman said right when a light goes out. There's a light come that comes back, right? There's a there's a there's a like a light, and then there's a resonant light that comes back from that light, and I think that's the that's sort of what you're saying here is that by by being aware of the causes and conditions in the world, and doing acts of kindness from that place of putting the ego aside and sort of like like letting it be a manager and not a boss, and not a boss. Then you're like, oh, you know what? Yes, I mean mine. But look, this person's suffering right here. I'm gonna give to them. I'm gonna do something for them. And then yeah. you do something for them, and then yes. you get the ego now. The one that was the boss that is forced to be the the manager is like, oh wait, that actually feels really good. good. And so your bot, your ego actually gets a little bit of a boost from that as well. You know, and, and God willing, a healthy boost and a healthy boost, uh-huh. and then enough so that it's like, oh, maybe this higher part of myself is higher awareness is like right about something here <laughs> um and so so that's the practice yeah and that's yeah. the practice that's arising from yes this. beautiful yes awesome hey we actually finished uh oh we didn't finish the first sentence well and we it will didn't. be if yeah. you ache have um if you ache have if you're listen, aware of the causes you, and conditions and if it will be it will be if you're aware of the causes and conditions of these mishpatim well then if you're aware and you keep remember them, the way I did it right is aware of the causes and conditions and you keep the mishpatim and then you do good stuff yes you do the good kindness acts in the world so if and you, you have them, this all you all nature then you will benefit um, and God will keep for you this 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 covenant and the kindness. And then we have the very last thing, Asher Nishba La Avotecha, which God has sworn to your ancestors. So there's this sense, this linkage. 
this door-va-door, this ancestral wisdom. And I just want to say that ancestral wisdom, if we can cultivate that relationship, that is a source of sustenance that we have this beautiful access to. It reminds me of, um, of nachas. Right, this this great Yiddish word, right? Nachas. Right, it comes from nachat ruach. Yeah, like a, a, a resting of the of the of soul, soul of, of the, the spirit, spirit. Of the wind, right? Uh, uh, nachas, right? That that your that your avat, uh, that your ancestors will have nachas, right? If you're, if you're yes. doing, right, if you're doing this, right, and to imagine like your ancestors looking on at you as you're doing these kind things, and you're aware of the causes. Yes. Like that, what more could they wish for you? What more could I wish for my son, Isaiah, or for his son and his children's children, Yeah. right? Then that they are going to be practiced. And maybe they'll hear this in a hundred years. Maybe this, <laughs> the technology will still be here. And they'll, hello, this is great, great, great grandpa. Hey, ben. you who come. God willing, the planet's in decent conditions. <laughs> Sorry for what we did. Sorry. My, our hope <laughs> is that you will be aware of the causes and conditions in the world, and, yeah. and you're going to do good. And you're going to do, do good. And do good for other and people. And what that gives us, and we can never underestimate this for the um, flourishing of the heart, this ancestral connection gives us a sense of belonging. Mm. And so I think here... And it's a, and it's a belonging through time and space. Through, and it's a belonging right. through time and space that transcends the limitations of this generation. And so I'd say this first sentence is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of information in it. And the instruction through love, um, if we hold that, uh, we have a chance, y'all. Wow. Thank you for going way over 18 minutes with me today. Um, what, a pl- what an honor it is to have such a vibrant discussion. Uh, I'd like to ask forgiveness for all the tangents that we didn't explore, and then also to ask forgiveness for all of tangents that we went on. Well, thank you so much. And you can, uh, if you live in Westchester County, New York, or anywhere in the New York area, you can experience us in person tomorrow. Uh, at Pleasantville Community Synagogue in Pleasantville, New York. Uh, I will be leading davening and singing, uh, and we'll have a percussionist there, and Rabbi Maggie Charna Rosenholtz will be leading Torah study uh, and getting to some of this stuff in person, and you can react yourself. If you want to experience more of what Rabbi Charna has to offer, again, it's shulchan.net. Uh, if you want to experience more of what I have to offer, uh, rabbibennewman.com or shalompcs.com, uh, which is the Pleasantville website. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next time, this has been the Neshama Project podcast. Take care. <laughs>